podcast presented by Matt Black and the Shapeshift Report. I am super excited to have Jennifer Ritter here sat with us to chat about all the things that circulate in that incredible brain of hers. Um, Jen is someone I actually met maybe a year ago. About a year ago, yeah. About a year ago at a, uh, a panel that we were involved with um, here in Los Angeles. And I had the opportunity to meet her because of the Shapeshift Report, which I think is um, very exciting and one of the reasons that we do what we do. Um, and now we fast forward a year from now, and she's contributed to our most recent issue of um, the Shapeshift Report, the analog issue. Um, and she's going to be here to kind of give us some insight on the world that she exists in, which is a lot of product development and strategy and trend and insight and these things that really um, help brands create relevant product yes. and messages and storytelling. And so let me hand the baton to you. Yeah. <laughs> How do well, you say what you do? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's been, yeah, definitely a labor of love trying to get in touch with you. And I was psyched to see your panel and be part of it. So thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I do all things beauty, right? So everything with the innovation and um, trending, marketing, product development, everything within the beauty and really wellness space, because we are in California and you know, building up with wellness is a big part of it. So um, I started my career and built my career with larger cosmetic companies, working with Estee Lauder. I was also at Bare Essentials before they were big. Um, I grew up in the beauty industry, so that's all I know. Um, so what I do now is I work with small and mid-sized companies to help build their marketing strategy, strategic approach to business, um, product development, and also focusing it mainly in innovation and trending. So my specialty when I was working in products um, and then building a company, an innovation division for Estee Lauder was all about innovation thinking, design thinking practices, which is perfect within Matt Black. And... Uh, trending. So what's hot and new? How are you getting out there? How are you a part of it? How are you always staying in touch? So I use that element as an approach to strategy and product development for beauty companies. So cool. And so, you know, as you just mentioned, you started a division mm -hmm. within the Estee Lauder Innovation Department. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So actually I was in product development for eight years and I started feeling really lost within it. And I uh, one day, a vice president there, her name is Lise Jorgensen, went to a, a new trend innovation event in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, I think for, tech, for the tech world. And she came back um, learning about uh, crowdsourcing, which was new to the world at that point. And she brought in this company called Spigot, which still exists today and is doing really well, um, <clears throat> into the office and showed our whole product development team and Lisa always had these side projects. I was always had these side projects for us. And I didn't have a side project yet. So it's like I heard Spigot, heard the idea of crowdsourcing, and was literally the last person sitting at the table <clears throat> and was like, oh my God, how do I do this? Um, I love the idea that in the thought, and I still do that an idea can come from anywhere. It doesn't matter. I used to say this as part of my slogan it doesn't matter if you're an intern or Leonard Lauder. If you have a good idea, it matters and it should be heard. Right. So that was the basic philosophy of what we call dream space, which was our innovation company inside of there. So between Lise and I worked with this other man who was really great, Mark Polson, we built, we became intrapreneurs 
and built the company from there. I became the lead on DreamSpace and we moved it into half into the innovation department and half into corporate education, working mainly, and it was an in, mainly with innovation. Um, and it was an, an innovation subdivision where people could um, participate and help solving strategic business challenges on a global level. And we applied IDEO style thinking, um, actually worked with a fellow from IDEO, um, like a fellow as a senior advisor, not like a man. Um, <laughs> I and, wasn't sure. Yeah, as in a, a fellow, so a senior advisor to the founders of IDEO to help um, even it out, and as well as another lead in the innovation world, Christine Mason. Um, and we went on a global crusade to involve people within DreamSpace. And what we started to learn was that not everybody wanted to work online, people wanted to work offline and log style. Um, and we would do um, host the challenges or questions that we post online. We would do them in person and have day-long sessions or week-long sessions like challenges, like gamification aspects to it. And so that's how we would solve these strategic problems. In addition to that, what DreamSpace became is the nature of the name and keeping people inspired and on that innovative mindset, right? We did trend tours, which I've done since day one of my career, which is bringing people out into the world, experiencing things, becoming inspired and applying it to concepts that would then turn into beauty products, etc. So we continue that um, to bring people out into the world, going into stores that were non-beauty stores, utilizing concepts from restaurants, you know, wrapping paper stores, whatever. Um, and applying that to concepts for the strategic challenges. We also created community um, by inviting people to different events like graffiti tours in Bushwick. I lived in New York, so graffiti tours in Bushwick, um, drinks with senior executives that would just like invite them like casual business hours, like in cool places downtown, um, or even lunches or like a lunch and learn or kind of like a podcast like this to listen to like John Dempsey, or we worked with Carl Haney, who was a personal advisor to my, of mine, um, or like Daria Myers, who was one of the founders of Origins. So we built this really great community and then we'd start bringing in people like you from outside to do these lunch and learns, et cetera. So it was really this robust program that brought this sense of community and belief and like hope for how to be an entrepreneur inside of a large company. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's very interesting. The, the idea of, you know, thinking about innovation, which I think in so many senses can be perceived as only like innovating the best, crazy, like VR, right? Yeah. That's innovating. But what can you do from an internal standpoint to motivate your team yeah. in such a way that they're, they're being fulfilled culturally, it sounds like, yeah. and through opportunity and connectivity of people that it then allows them to feel probably more empowered and yes. therefore contribute more towards the innovation of a company. 100%. And also the big thing too is like, yeah, you want to be number one, you can get all these scientists and you're looking at, you know, these top technologies and you can do like all this anniversary of dollars and looking at it, how do you think differently, right? So like, why does a company like Matt Black crush it? more than an internal company or like a large company or like you compete with idea like you know what I, mean? I mean they're multi-million dollars I, mean, I only wish the best for you and you'd be thank you <laughs> You're welcome. thank like, you yeah. <laughs> but like 
you know, you're crushing it with them and, and people are like, why? And it's like, you have this, this nimbleness and this empowerment that's so part of your own personal culture. But then as you start answering to stockholders and, you know, shareholders or same thing and these bigger and bigger and bigger things, it loses it. So true innovation is something that you need to one define, right? Cause everybody's like, Oh, it's so innovative. Like such a bullshit sorry, term that it's like, you have to define what does it mean, right? So what's short-term, mid-term, and long-term innovation? How are you defining it? And by, um, by definition, innovation is like, it's new to you. Like if I showed you an eraser on the end of a pencil and you've never seen that before, you think it's like the mind blowingest thing ever. You can actually erase what you write. What? You know, <laughs> but to everyone else, it could be new. So you have to figure out what that is, but keeping your team inspired and motivated is definitely part of it, but keeping your team also informed and crafting their thought processes in how to be more of a curious learner, a curious listener, and a curious doer, right? So not being afraid to say no and knowing when it's strategically possible, but acting with like without fear, but always being curious about pushing the boundaries. Because like what I was saying at first, like it's always about anniversarying the dollar, driving the bottom line. You know, we'll just let the creative department be that. But everyone is creative. Creativity is a continuum. Some people are more analytical and some people are more broad spectrum. It's where you fall within, within that and how you believe in yourself and opening your ideas. That's what we did with water. And there's still, the company still exists. There's lots of people still doing it. This is what I do with my private, um, my clients now consultants. Um, it's how to constantly feel motivated to be creative. And you know, California, it's like the city of yes, like Los Angeles. Like, totally. yeah, we can, yeah, we can. I'm like, well, how strategic are you about this? Like, what do you do after you say yes? Like, what are your next dollars? So it's like constantly pushing the boundaries of thought. And would you say that there are any challenges for a, a smaller brand per se to try to achieve those same goals of innovation and, and you know, intrapreneurship, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. than looking at a company like Lauder where there are a lot more resources at hand? Well, yeah. Well, one is capital, right? And like, even though <laughs> Lauder, they're like, oh, we don't have money for this or fun. I mean, it was like funny money. It was like, you know, you have like half a million dollars we were awarded like year on year end, which I'm extremely humbled and grateful for like even to this day it just like touches me but yeah i never had to go fundraising like i had to go fundraising by finding other senior executives to support myself and my team and the uh, man that i worked for like we had to find that and play politics and handshakiness like that um but what small brands struggle with is actual capital and actual fundraising and really differentiate differentiating themselves from others. So what I find with my smaller clients is that they don't really have mission statements. They don't really have positioning statements. They have this cool idea. They're like, Oh, we have this great social. We have all these influencers. I'm like, your product is the same thing that you just showed me 20 different times in 17 other brands. So out of those 17 other brands, like only three of you are going to survive. And the ones that are going to survive are the ones that have a true point of difference. It's like yoga studios, you know, or juice, right? Your juice, totally. the same thing, you know? So that kind of makes me think of, you know, something that you mentioned in your article, which is, I mean, a very, I guess something that your grandfather held very true, Yes, which was the idea that you got to get out 
to get in. Yeah. You got to, you got to get out (laughs) there. That's true. That's a great way to put it. To be able to actually, you know, bring some thought leadership to the table and, and innovate. Yeah. Tell us like a little bit more about that. And then also maybe, you know, how you think or feel that maybe some of these smaller brands now are a little too caught up in the digital and therefore they're not spending enough time away. 100%. And well, one is that everyone gets in their own way, right? So you need time to take a step back and like you get so excited and a lot of small brands are like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Which if you ask my colleagues at Lauder, they would be like, what? Like, yeah, I'm like if you tell them so formal now and like, Lauder, I was like the renegade, right? And like in the small brand or they're like, Jennifer's so formal. <laughs> it's, so, it's a perspective shift. And that's really interesting. So yeah, my grandfather um, was a CEO of Max Factor and Neutrogena, and I was born on his birthday. So I've literally been in the beauty industry since birth. Wow. Um, and I learned how to like what end caps were and positioning was on shelves. Like I think before when I was around like five to seven was like the big education time and how to smell fragrance was like at that age too. But the big lesson um, that he taught and like that, um, he he was all about going out, right? That like what you're saying to get in, which was a great slow, like total hashtag right there, right? <laughs> um, so his thing was he challenges his team as he ran these global companies to really stop thinking about just their area or just their development. And even though it was a culture of uh, you know become a team together, like engage with other people, he w- he was a violinist, he was a painter. Um, he loved to eat. That's you know, <laughs> loved eating. He'd always stand by the catering in the, at an event. Um, but also, what can you learn from that? So the biggest thing with my grandfather at home was when we go to the museum and have to write him a report. So we would go to a museum. I have to take notes, and then I would literally have to write like a book report about my thoughts <laughs> of the museum. That's amazing, right? I mean, and horrible when you're a child, but amazing as you get yes. older. Um, and that wasn't just at the museum. It was like, we listened to like, uh, a play in the car or we went to a cool clothing store, like Fred Siegel's, right. When it was back in the day, he, what do you like about it? What is it specifically that you like about it? What do you relate to on this brand? What was, so it was like ingrained as a child. And that was as his granddaughter, could you imagine working for him? Right. So let's <laughs> you work for him. That was all the time. And Ann Carullo, who um, runs Estee Lauder and Tom Ford product innovation, I met her when I was nine years old and I always wanted to be Annie and I still kind of do. My grandfather loved Annie and this was the lesson that she taught Annie and she challenged, he challenged her to think bigger and broader. And Annie is one of the most creative minds in the beauty industry. They did with my aunt. She created no color mascara, some color mascara, rose water blush, high definition foundations, all for Max Factor, way before its time. For Lauder, I mean, she's done basically everything since like the 90s, right? For them. So she's taught that lesson to her team about like going out and becoming influenced by the world around you, by merchandising, by talking to people, having conversations with locals. Um, by learning that way, making contacts yourself, uh, by always being really curious. Why do you like it? What is it about it there? So it's not just going online and finding an artist or finding an image, which has its own right, right? Or finding something in social. It's actually engaging with them. 
Because we see that constantly. You guys see this in your work. It's like the same all the time. How do you make it different? How do you make it more engaging? And like now where we're seeing a trend of, even though it's e-tailing and e-commerce, it's more opening an actual retail store so people can have an in-store experience. But what a lot of people don't actually do is go into the store. So you're having a lot of designers now making things based off of virtual, which is totally the antithesis of what my grandfather taught. It's like go into the museum, see the Mona Lisa, you know, which is, I didn't even see it. I was just in Paris. I didn't go see it. <laughs> but I did go see a bunch of Manet and like um, <clears throat> other images I haven't seen in a while. But it's like actually experience what that feels like. And if you can translate that feeling into a retail location or into a product or art piece that you're doing, that that's what it's about. Because you look at what people, you know, like the wealthiest people in the world write all these books and like seven habits of, you know, whatever that, that is, like the seven things you should know. I forget what the title is completely, but, um, you know, it's always about investing in experience. I mean, I love clothes and fashion just as much as the next person, but really no one can take the experience from you. You can only have that and reinterpret it. You can buy new clothes. You can buy a bunch of shoes and other people may have it. So invest in your life. And nowadays is your professional life is your personal life and vice versa. So why wouldn't you invest in actually having the experience and then sharing that authentically and getting back to the authentic or the analog, right? Instead of just looking at things virtually. So his main lesson and then what Annie continues to teach, which was like part of it is have these experiences in person, mm -hmm. share that with your consumer, be authentic in how much you love the products that you create and how they look merchandising, how they feel sensorial. So when I work with my clients now, that's really like, what is your point of difference? What is your mission and vision? That's what you stand for. Live in it, then go into the rest of it, then go into this. And like, you have to love it. And if you don't love it, then no one else will. Totally. And would you say that that's a, um, kind of a basis of the trend tours that you do is that idea of questioning, like when you're in a specific, like you said, a wallpaper yeah. shop, let's just say, and you're yeah. inspired by something or is it about asking yourself those questions? Like, what is it that I am enjoying here? And what is it that I'm not enjoying? Like what, what happens on a trend tour? Yeah, absolutely. So when I do trend tours, Typically, I like to ask my clients, like, well, what are your strategies right now? Like, what are you looking to launch? Like, what, what do you, because I was like, I just want to be inspired. It's like, well, you can be inspired in a whole if your mind's opened, right? You can be imaginative. Like, people have all these, you know, different ideas through transcendental meditation. I mean, I know I do all the time, right? So it's like, what are you looking for? What are your strategic objectives? Like, what are the products that you're launching? So that's first and foremost. So you try to look for a common theme within that. Then what I'll look at is whatever city that we're in is what stores or experiences like through museums or concerts, clubs, et cetera, that are going on that um, kind of coincide with that theme, whatever they're working on. And then I'll do a little out of the box because again, bringing back to a comment I made before is that creativity is a continuum and some people are more analytical and some people are more open-minded. So when you're doing a trend tour, you need to think like if someone's like a banker, right? The most analytical straight, you know, 
straight and narrow person, you have to give them things that are more literal and help them feel comfortable being open within the literal. Because the people who are way open, they're open. You can send them wherever. Like you can send them like a concrete factory and they're like, oh, it's so inspiring. You know, like, they're like, this is amazing. So <clears throat> that's the first thing is to find out what's a theme and then build around it. Typically, um, I do these huge decks and yes, I have these questions that come up. I explain like, what's the culture, temperature, community of the city? Like what's going on right now? Like current event wise, what are their delivery um, services that they have? Like what are new startups that are getting into the, into the um, city? And then typically I'll have like a little questionnaire. Like I make it kind of like a scavenger hunt kind That's of game fun. so you have like again towards the analytical and the more open-minded so you want to think like how do i engage them how do i build conversation amongst the team how do i make it kind of like a game or a competition mm -hmm. with them so then they'll have some questions about like did you see this did you talk to one store clerk did you um and not like so much like take a snapshot and like however has the most instagram things but more like how does this apply to like rapid concepting? Mm -hmm. So they sent you into, we'll just use the wallpaper store and your theme is like, you know, we're doing a color story. Um, if you're a color brand, like about pink, like how many pink things can you find? How many different shades of pink do you see? Why have you do ask the store? Why are they carrying pink? Is it seasonal? Is it a love for the person that's there? Is it a tastemate, et cetera? What can you get out of that? What's the concept? And then they would have to, a lot of times I do rapid concepting to challenge people to think right away. What can you get right away instantly walking out of this? Do you spark your creativity? And then what can they do over time? Mm. So it's like a mix. Interesting. And then when you're actually, you know, being tasked with coming up with these ideas for some of the clients yeah. that you're working with as opposed to like coaching them through it. Yeah. Where do you start? Oh, I mean, no. granted, you know so much, but let's just say like, you know, where, where do you go for a specific source of inspiration or. Yeah. So well, part of it too, is I also coach people. I'm like, I can tell you something. I'm like you, anyone can do this. <laughs> like You can do this on your own. I'm like it's, it's pretty much there. So a lot of trending people, They'll either keep it completely secret or they'll say, here's a formula follow right? I do a little bit of both because you got to keep a little mystery, right? Like in there. Um, so I definitely have like my go-to sites or like my insiders that I'll call and be like, yo, what's cool? Like, what are you, where are you eating right now? Like, what did you see it like? Or like, I'm always like listening for like these side notes mm -hmm. of stuff. So that's, that is my little secret sauce is like, which I won't ever give to it. So where I tell people to go for inspiration and where I go is really, again, getting out there. So like concerts, new restaurants, um, new stores, that are being open and really it's not about shopping it's more about the merchandising but i'm a foodie i think food says a lot about culture it says a lot about what's the agri obviously the agriculture that's in the area like going to farmers markets etc you can see what's in season and then you start to see oh it's showing up in new restaurants right so like if asparagus are in season you go to five restaurants around the santa monica farmers market you see asparagus again every plate right so you see that kind of trend um also Again, noticing colors, right? Or what's in museum shows. So like right now, there's a Cindy Sherman show at the Broad, right Museum. So I'm interested to see more costume shows starting to pop up. Like if it's a trend, right? It starts to open. Like you'll see like one thing will have it 
and then others will. So um, that kind of inspiration I teach to other people, or that's where I find the inspiration is like trying to play a game of like, what is the trend? So is this just a one-off cool thing or does it, do you start to see this within every area of culture? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That's so interesting. And so kind of to like round this out, I, I would be curious to know what a piece of advice is that you would give somebody who's looking to embark into the kind of career path that you've had, maybe just the beauty industry as a whole. What is, what is your biggest takeaway to date? Um, well, the, so it's a little different now. Um, because you could do everything online, like so LinkedIn is my best friend. I basically do all my business from LinkedIn because I'm a business to business company. And like, you know, I befriend people all the time. I really reach out to people like a fan, like how I found Shapeshift. I found your, I was like, oh my God, Matt Black's incredible. And I saw you were doing it on like total stalker status. I was like super fan, like, came, and I meant it like, <laughs> like the deepest part of my heart I was like, oh my God. So, um, I think that the more get in the beauty industry now a lot of the 20 plus that's coming in is like oh i love makeup or i do a tutorial i don't really have to work and i'm sure everybody says that about 20 year olds but i find that they think it's a lot more leisurely and i think that would make someone different is if they looked up the history of brands the history of products um, finding out when the first launch was of certain things um, really getting to know people who are in who are baby boomers more, um, and really wanting to look for mentors, um, and that that's really how I work now. It's like I really look for people. Like I'm a I'm a, I'm a beauty fan. I'm like total culture vulture stalker stuff like that. And it's this has always worked for me. Is being nice. It probably wasn't nice a lot of times, but trying to be nice, like how you define that. Um, and being a genuine fan and learning the history of how products and brands are launched and how did they do that? What did it take? What made them different from others? So I don't see enough of that going on mm -hmm. right now. Um, and also volunteer time for free. Like the internships, like crazy. It's always awesome. You can get in even one day a week or whatever. You know, that's totally. a great, like who doesn't love an intern, right? <laughs> we love ours. We love interns, you know? <laughs> so I think that that, but really taking the time to learn, like people have 35 year careers or 20 year careers in the same company for a reason. And my dad used to say to me when I was like 25, he used to be like, do you think maybe they know what they're doing? You think like when you have like that attitude that like 20 year old, you're like, I know more than them. And he's like, maybe these people have been there for a reason. Have you ever thought of that? And I think about that all the time. He was right. Yeah. And more, I think more people should think about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, it's totally valid. Yeah. And there's totally a reason valid. why. So I think the history pieces is a big one. That would be a, and be a stalker on LinkedIn. Like if you like someone like stalk them, <laughs> stalk them till you find them. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so to wrap things up, I've got three questions for you. All right, I'm ready. What is your go-to karaoke song? Mary J. Blige, Real Love, or Far Side, She Keeps Passing Me By. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Best song ever. Yeah. Um, okay, who is your celebrity crush? Christian Slater from Pump Up the Volume. Very specifically that time period. Love it. Yeah. And then the last book you read. 
The last book I read was M Train by Patti Smith. Um, I love Patti Smith. And yeah, it was a really good book. What was it about? It's about her living. It's like little stories in one. So it's about her living in the you know New York after her, the death of her husband, moving back. And her experience, like buying this house in Rockaway, and you know, moving through New York, and that just like like insights into her mind. Cool, yeah, love it. Well, thank you so much. Thank for you being here today and giving us a little piece of that incredible brain. Um, that's a wrap for episode four of Sessions. Be sure to check out Jen's article in the Analog Issue of the Shape Report. You will not regret it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.